Coming to you from the heart of the Great White North. Welcome to the Canadian Prepper Podcast. Immerse yourself in the world of preparedness with insights from seasoned experts and a touch of Canadian practicality. Your go-to source for all things survival, resilience, and self-reliance. Now, let's kick off another episode packed with knowledge and strategies to ensure you're ready for whatever life may throw your way. Stay tuned and let the journey to preparedness begin. Welcome to episode number 226 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on January the 14th, 2024. My name is Eric, a host of the show based in Southern Ontario, hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, although I think we should probably give that line to Ian now, <laughs> and computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, and of course, I wanted a way to, way to gather their information and steal their identities. Ethically, of course. Yeah, got to do it ethically. Of course. I decided to up my uh, my nerd game by getting the glasses full time. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, my name is Ian. I'm a homesteader on Vancouver Island who has no idea how OPSEC works. This episode's for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the frugal guy. Recently moved to Northern Ontario in the middle of nowhere. I'm an off gridder, a shooter, a hunter, fisher, gatherer, trapper type, and a generalist. And it's only recently that I came to accept that I'm a prep. Uh, my name is Pierre, technical beard owner, wannabe prepper, t-shirt guy, uh, government critique, and the reason we hit the explicit button. <laughs> I'm Terry, live in sunny central Ontario, starving indie author, terrible hunter, pathetic fisherman, and that's why I'm here. Steal all the knowledge from you guys with my fishing scam. <laughs> Do not click any links from Terry. Pierre want to help support the show embrace our new intro and buy some swag we have both the Canadian prepper podcast t-shirt tactical velcro patch at www.prepperpodcast.ca all the proceeds help cover the cost of the podcast if you're enjoying the show please take a few minutes to uh, submit a review whether you tell us where you found us and uh, what your feedback is good or bad we want to invite you to reach out to all of us about something that you learned this week. So you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right. So we've got some suspect content for you in this episode. I'm going to start off with some relevant news articles. We'll update you on what we've done for our personal prep since the last episode. We're going to get into the main topic. We're talking about phishing scams and, uh, and their effects. And that's phishing with a, with a pH. Sounds like fat with pH, you know. Well, hey, we are the cool kids, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, news time. Um, well, let's talk about it. Like Jeff's not here, so I won't He's go not. into the, the full depth of the weather, uh, wherever he does. But uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's some extreme weather in southern Ontario and pretty much across the country. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, actually out here, like you guys can compare notes, but I mean, like uh, it never obviously gets overly cold here generally but we went down to the coldest i've seen in the whole time i've been here which is like 11 years now went down to minus 13 which is like frozen oh, hip you could like break off the the dreadlocks off the hippies they're just like frozen solid <laughs> and like the hair the hair grease was just like that's it man so um mm -hmm. yeah no it's pretty good so um obviously you spent a lot of time dealing with that not a whole lot of snow though uh so we weren't like snowed in like you guys here but uh and i think 
Darius and crew and in, in Northern BC and Northern Alberta and stuff, they were all um, looking at minus 50 something. I think Darius was stuck in the minus thirties yep. and yeah, it's pretty, pretty harsh. How are you guys you know, fare out there? There's some warnings in Alberta too, about uh, rolling power outages and such because the, uh, the grid couldn't keep up with the, the demand. Well, yeah. So of course they want to have all of our electric cars by 2030. And uh, right. of course they want to go to heat pumps uh, in every yeah. new home and everything else. And yet the grid can't handle a cold day now. It's only get worse as the population increases by half a million people every year and everybody switches over to electric cars. I can't imagine the grid's going to end up happy. It'll be perfectly fine. Don't common sense cannot play into this. It was 1 million last year, but who's counting? It doesn't matter, right? The grid. Yeah. I mean, it's just just zeros at this point, right? Anyway. Yeah. So how'd you guys do out there with a snowfall? We got pummeled pretty good here during the day. Uh, yesterday wasn't bad, but all across Ontario has kind of been hit and miss depending on where you are for, for the snowfall. But we got a good uh, a good chunk of it today. Because they were calling for like half a half a meter or something for you guys, right? Calling for a good chunk, yeah. Oh, anyway. We, we got a couple feet. Fair enough. Uh, yep. we, we, didn't, we didn't get as bad out uh, a little more east than the butthole. Um, so it was nice. A little bit of snow yesterday, pretty much nothing today. So it's kind of nice to not have to worry about two feet of snow and okay. where to throw it all. So we the first time this winter, I pulled the snowblower out. So, oh, did you? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. not so bad. And did it start? Weirdly enough, it started, it ran, and everything was fine. It's almost like I had it ready to go ahead of time. Which you, you should you should plan better and wait for the snowfall and then kneel in the snowbank and mm. fix it. It's it's a way right. better. In- it, it, it's it's a lot funner. It's yeah, the Canadian really way of doing things. I guess. <laughs> we'll just do that, yeah. <laughs> and then usually you lose a bolt or a nut in the in the snow, and then yep, yeah, yeah potentially two depending how cold it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then if you how low you crouch, well, if you yeah. if you crouch low enough, you're going to lose a couple couple nuts for sure. But <laughs> anyway, um, so I had a crossover article. It's probably going to be covered tomorrow night on the other CPP, but we figured we'd uh, talk about this one here. Uh, the government of Canada, actually, sorry, that's incorrect. The government of BC is offering free fentanyl for kids on the taxpayer dime um, without parents' consent. So if they, they, they're above age 12, they're, a, uh, what do you call it, a uh, emancipated minor or something now medically, and they can they can go to the government, request free fentanyl, and get it. Uh, <laughs> mm, so... What? Yeah. So let's let's not talk about the, the political aspect of that, and not to mention the 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 actual budgetary aspect. That's for tomorrow night. But I'm more thinking of well, kids, as you know, may not make the best decisions when they're teenagers, and I have a feel that they may or may not have a, a potential there for an overdose. So just as a reminder, for maybe if you have kids that have like bad friends, or maybe your kids are bad, I don't know. Have naloxone on hand just to stock up because it sounds like there's going to be a new epidemic of uh, overdoses coming. So, and taxpayer funded ones at that. And you can obtain naloxone at any pharmacy free of charge. Yeah. So it's just one more thing for your preps, guys. You really should have a kit regardless of this uh, of this article. Yeah, Scott. Just to have on hand. Promised to help me out with that, but he never did. Pretending to agree there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm not saying you're, you're enabling bad behavior there, but it's just like, just in case, it's like using an extra five minutes to get to uh, the hospital and doesn't stop the OD, it just stops the uh, the bad yeah. symptoms for a few minutes, yeah. right? It, it gives you a couple, pause, gives you some time. Yeah, buys yeah. you some time, that's it. It, yeah. it puts it on pause for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, still need medical assistance and all that stuff, so. Yep. Yeah. It's going to oh, be a, 
It's kind of yeah. like an epidermic yeah. pen for an anaphylactic shock case. It just mm -hmm. buys you some time, but you still need serious medical attention. Yep. Yeah, so I figure why not? It's just something you get ahead of time. It yeah. doesn't cost anything. So free preps are always the best preps anyway, right? That's, so. that's a really this good point. Um, yeah. I'm going to add that to my kit now. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, BC being BC, they tend to go a little bit overboard with this stuff. But I mean, it's just a matter of time before that spreads across the whole country, and everybody thinks it's a great idea. Yeah. So yeah, and a lot of a lot of things start trending in the West, and uh, people pick up on it here. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't see yeah. this turning out well. Well, yeah, I'll throw that in the show notes right. just or the uh, the chat just because people probably won't believe me that <laughs> people can be that stupid. <laughs> anyway, there it That's goes. Oh, I got to watch Monday night now. They were. Uh to see how that unfolds that'll be an interesting discussion on the political yeah. side of things hopefully it makes the uh makes makes the list of chat articles anyway yeah. that's all i had though awesome well that we'll move into uh what we've done lately for our uh, our own preparedness so for uh for myself i <laughs> uh, got some rounds downrange. so like i mentioned in the last episode i'm trying to get out to the range a little bit more consistently so had some free time got to the range but uh, put a few uh, holes in paper um, so it was good to get out. Of course, I brought the ham radio with me. So everybody calm down. I had that with me at the range as well. Um, but, uh, so that was good. Uh, got ready for the impending snowmageddon that fizzled into nothing, but then reared its head today. So it was just a day late, uh, and did a little bit of water system maintenance. So I know I mentioned that every once in a while on the podcast, we're on well and septic here. So it's time to replace out or swap out the UV lights, uh, the filters and all that kind of stuff. So got that all done today. So we're back in, uh, back in shape and everything's running still. So I must've done something right. Uh, do you need to have a water softener as well? And a water softener. Yeah. Uh, is the salt for a water softener, the same kind of salt you use on the roads or is it just slightly different or filtered or. That's a great question. I'm pretty sure it's a little bit different. Hmm. Thank you. But I can't say as I've ever really spread salt on the road, so I'm not overly sure. Uh, that's one thing I had to do this this week because of the, the steep hill and the uh, the frost coming up, the snow and everything else. It's like, yeah, unless you want people like skiing off your driveway, it's kind of a thing. So. Hmm. Uh, as for myself, uh, in carrying on with the the switcheroo with Eric and I, uh, I decided to take possession of a couple of UV-13s. They showed up after I ordered them last week. I think they showed up in four days which was amazing. Are we talking UV lights or are we talking something else here? I was getting to that. <laughs> it was the new and improved Baofeng UV 5R. New and improved was a bit of a misnomer, but anyway. Um, so here it is. And showed up. I got a pair of them showing up. Yes, look at that. And uh, well, uh, good and bad. So I mean, very clear radios. Uh, they feel well built. They are well built. Um, and, you know, overall, no complaints. It's USB-C charging, all that stuff. But it doesn't use Chirp, so it's very hard to program. So I had to spend a couple hours cranking away on their proprietary software, which really sucks, um, to redo all the repairs already done in Chirp. And nothing would copy and paste or anything, so cause it's a different type of file and everything else. It was a mess. Anyway, um, so once I got the program, though, um, I'm actually quite happy with them. But they take the same uh, antennas as the, the UV5R. They take the same everything, pretty much. And, um, yeah, pretty nice. Uh, yeah, that's half the fun of doing the ham radio thing, is learning something new. Yeah. Because the radio is halfway across the room. Well, I scoured the internet trying to find a workaround to try and get it to work on Chirp. And I guess I'm not the first person that had the same issue. But, uh, anyway. What are you going to do? But uh, for, I mean, 30 bucks a piece, and they're basically the equivalent of a Yesu, and they're, they're, they're actually really Oh, nice. what have you done? 
yeah. What have you done? <laughs> Started it now. Lithium ion batteries, the whole works. And uh, yeah, it's it's actually, it's like the, theoretically waterproof and all that stuff. Um, but anyways, I also ordered a UV-17 because I wanted one of the, uh, the, the newest and latest and greatest of the Baofeng line uh, to try and see if I get the air band so I could pick up like aviation radio stuff in, in the AM band. And it's it listens on a couple of HF frequencies as well. And uh, oh. yeah. Yeah, we'll see really? it. Yeah, the UVK5 as well also listens to HF now, so which is very interesting. So it's getting cheaper and cheaper to enter the hobby. So, uh, yeah, on that note, I also updated the chirp file for the Nanaimo area for where I live and um, updated all my UV5Rs because reasons. Um, I had to open up my Faraday box anyway, so I thought I'd uh, update the radios that are in there and um, give it a UI kind of a biannual update and all that stuff. Uh, so you did some fuel rotation, had to deal with a deep freeze here. I was a little bit sick for a while, but uh, kind of had to power through that and just sleep a lot and get back to the preps. Uh, Faraday box update, we talked about that briefly there, but um, had to update a couple like file backups that are in there, like the USB keys and the spare hard drive and a bunch of other stuff, and charge up battery packs that are in there, and that's pretty much it. I had a couple of power boxes that work off the solar system. And I just uh, rewired those because they were a bit of a, a rat's nest. So I thought I'd just kind of clean those up a bit because it was cold and I had nothing else to do. Uh, I had to go pick up my range key from the range because January 1st they changed the keys out. So in order to uh, keep up with Eric, I thought I should pick up my range key. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll probably next week, I'll probably, well, I'm going to the States next week for, for a quick mini vacation. But then once I get back, I'll go to the range probably. Um, and then I had to go to uh, my uh, local gunsmith there, Spencer, and I had to deal with a problem that got fixed fast, but also he finished repairing one of my double barrels. Uh, and yeah, very uh, reasonable rates and uh, friendly service, all that stuff. And yeah, so I got to hang out with him and talk guns for a little while until he kicked me out, and that was it. I think I might even have a CGN deal in the works on the fact that I'm selling one and not Whoa. buying one. So I'm actually reducing wow. the amount of, yeah, I'm reducing the amount of fishing rods I have, which is amazing. So I uh, got to pay for those radios somehow, right? <laughs> you, you feeling all right again? Yeah, no, it's 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 a weird state of mind. It's it's like a, it's like a midlife crisis or something. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. I'm, wait, I'm waiting to hear you about a Miata. You can you can <laughs> talk to us anytime you need help, brother. Yeah, it's true. Well, oh. Yeah, I, I like the what the wife said. Asked if I was going to trade her in for like two. 20 something year olds and i said uh no no i said I, I i can't even like keep track keep up with one so i i would i don't know what i do with two so i just i'll just keep stick with the alpacas and the and the ham radios as a midlife crisis and leave it at that <laughs> probably cheaper in the long run too totally. very yeah. likely anyway uh that's it for me there you go um so i got some fuel rotation a little bit of fuel prep uh did a bit more organizing uh, now that uh, we've got a bunch of the renos almost done, so we were able to start unpacking a little bit more, set up some stuff. Um, so it was nice because I was started finding a bunch of preps that I kind of forgot we had, and they were kind of just thrown in uh, different boxes, not packed perfectly. So now we've been able to put that aside, get it through in some boxes and bins, and we know where it is. And uh, real soon we'll be able to repack our bags, go through everything, make sure we've got everything we want and need, see if we need to update anything um and the nice thing is if we haven't packed the bags we at least know where everything is if uh, things arise that we need them so off to a good start that's about it for us 
well, what have I done? I uh, went and tossed a little bit of lead down range on New Year's Day with Pierre and my lady. Got a little bit cold near the end, so we packed it in. But we got a good few hours out there. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, what else? I finally finished wiring up my ditch lights on the taco. What a fantastic upgrade. I'm looking forward to the next storm once I'm out there because it's going to be a storm when I'm out there. That's guaranteed. Um, so they're really bright. So I'm looking forward to trying those out. I tested the new tires out into the snow. They're doing great. So now that I've completed that wiring project, I'm going to be working on my mobile solar battery pack. I want a video of that and have a complete uh, video of that out there. And we'll be putting that to use pretty soon. I'm also working on something else. It's kind of like an almost super secret project. Anyway, some of you here in the panel know what I'm working on, but I'm keeping it close to the vest, but there will be an announcement coming. So look up for that. That's what I got. As for me, I had a quiet week. We, I reorganized my vehicle gear a little bit. Um, and shoveled snow. There's no shortage of snow to shovel around here right now. So you had to put like a second pair of walking boots in the Ford truck, right? That's what you mean? Oh yeah, yeah. You need ex <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know those grips front underneath. In case you yeah. come across, in case you come across some guy with that Toyota and you got to pull him out of the rhubarb, you can uh, you can use those to get you in and out of the ditch. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, before the whole vehicle wars get uh, get crazy, let's move into the main topic, shall we? So, yes. when we actually haven't covered before we can get go, we haven't even covered the other fishing yet, have we? We have. No, not. So I thought that's what this was about, so I'm all confused. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so today we're going to talk about taking your boat out on the water, putting the line in with uh, with a worm and just the different types of fish you can catch. No, we're going to go back to that, actually. I just wrote that. That was <laughs> actually a, a really good idea. <laughs> topic yeah. item. Yeah. We should. We should actually yeah. cover that off. But uh, in reality, this evening, we are talking about fishing, but it's not the kind of fishing where you grab your boat, your fishing rod, your worms, your leeches or whatever, and and go out and see what kind of fish you can catch. At least not, uh, not that style. We are still uh, talking about a, uh, a tactic that tries to dangle something uh, in front of you and tries to, to catch you and, and pull you, I guess, technically up out of the water and screw you over for <laughs> what, what, a better way to put things. But um, at its core, it's a deceptive practice where uh, cyber criminals use distinguished communication to try to trick individuals and divulging sensitive information. So it's going to come at you through all kinds of different channels. Most likely you're familiar with the email, uh, SMS, so text messages, uh, maybe some social engineering. If you get that phone call uh, claiming that it's your grandson or somebody overseas uh, in, a, in a bad spot and they need money right now, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and it's, it's important that we're able to recognize these tactics to protect ourselves and our digital assets. So and I know the... So when Scott gets this text that says, you've won a free wood gasifier, click on the link below. That's probably a bad idea. Well, the fact that click is spelt incorrectly would be one clue. Well, if, if you spelled it with a C, I would probably tell Scott to click the link because A, it'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and B, he didn't bother to show up tonight. So, <laughs> But uh, I, I'm sure that the number one question that a lot of people who listen to this podcast uh, are wondering is why do we even care about this as preppers, 
right? You're always thinking about things like having your food ready, your water ready, um, any kind of ways to generate power, like all that kind of stuff. But we're never really thinking about the electronic side of things or, or why do I care about phishing and scams and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, it, it's important to recognize the, the significance of cybersecurity and, and the, the threat of phishing when it comes to uh, emergency preparedness, especially because it's just such a part of our lives now, right? It's, um, we're daily using the internet, we're daily using um, communication forms for, for doing things, and it, it's built into preparedness as well, right? So um, the first thing we've got to be concerned about is financial security. Right, so phishing attacks can lead to financial losses. Financial losses are obviously not good for all kinds of things, but including emergency preparedness. Right, a lot of us will have a, a stash of money put away somewhere or, or um, investments in places, and a lot of people trust banks for that kind of thing. I know not everybody listening. Some people are going to up and scream at me about that and say we don't trust the banks. I get that, but a lot of people also do. Right. So falling victim to a phishing scam can compromise these and then as a result have, a, have an impact on uh, your preparedness plans or even just your funding for if something does go, uh, go awry because they will drain your bank accounts very, very quickly if they gain access to uh, any kind of information that allows, uh, allows them to do that. Yeah, because um, I mean, if you imagine being on the road for whatever reason, whether it's a bug out or just a regular family trip or whatever, and all of a sudden that phishing scam does kick in yep. and you have no credit card and no debit card and an empty tank of gas. Yeah. It's nice to have exactly. cash on hand. So that's where it kind of comes into the preparedness aspect too. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. even just having the, the credit card all of a sudden shut down, like you're in that middle of that trip or, or something. Right. And yeah. now what? Right. A lot, a lot of, of us are already ones. prepared for that. And a lot of us will carry money already, but a lot of the smart ones will hit you just before the long weekend. Cause they know right. you're going to have a hard time dealing with everything because you probably have plans. These are smart people. It's true. They make a lot of money doing this. Or yeah, be, they make they steal a lot of money doing this. Well, interesting. I didn't get hit with the phishing scam per se, but I think there were there was some sort of hankiness going on. They had a um, the SkyTrain, the local subway system. Mm-hmm. They had a uh, a card reader that was obviously had been tinkered with a little bit, and everybody yep. was shoving their cards in there, including myself. Got uh, their cards. Um, the microchip got erased. Oh, and. Just going yep. to top up my card and uh, just chip gets erased because uh, I don't know there was some sort of scanner thing going on there and so they shut down the whole machine and everything else. But yep. it was like, oh, that's nice. So I had, and it was on a long weekend, sure enough, just before Christmas. Yep. And uh, yeah, so that was a uh, new credit card had to come. Yep. Almost guaranteed, everybody listening to this at one point in time or another has fallen victim to that exact thing happening. Maybe not the wiping of the uh, the chip, but the copying of your card. Yeah, it, it happens. Like, I think they were trying to copy it. They just obviously yeah, were. They screwed up. Yeah, they must have yeah. been, switched their leads or something for the main bit. So who yeah. knows, right? R- rookie mistake. Rookie, rookie mistake. mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but still caused havoc for everybody going through that machine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I mean, not, not even talking about financial and your personal information or whatever. Just imagine how much that can impede, how many people dependent on that card to get to and from work or whatever. That just that could just cause mayhem in the city. Oh yeah. Right. If you take away, you know, let's say 30% of the workforce that decides that, you know, all of a sudden going to work on a Monday, this happens Friday night, Monday morning, nobody can get to work. Everybody's doing everything. Like, you know, it'll, it'll cause a lot of mayhem and obviously, yeah, having cash on hand, everything will be helpful, but uh, just think of the disaster of dealing with, you know, 3000 people that can't figure out how to get on the, on the train. Cause, uh, 
someone screwed up their card. Yep. Oh, that's true. Um, the next uh, next thing as well that uh, uh, can have a big impact on phishing is uh, just personal information protection, right? So a lot of people with the uh, preparedness mindset are, are very keen to the fact that they try to keep their personal information you know, contained as much as they possibly can in the digital world, right? Um, there's certain aspects that you don't want made public or information you don't want everybody else to know about. Well, all of a sudden you get compromised and that information is now suddenly available. Then you get into the whole, hey, send us money or we release this. During the time it gets released anyways. They just want extra money out of you, right? So there's that. And that's that would be a huge impact to a lot of people who have that kind of um, value on their personal information. Uh, digital preparedness. So again, we're using digital tools for communication. Uh, usually you use a lot of online platforms for information, coordination, resource sharing, successful phishing attack and disrupt that uh, digital prepping efforts. So if you're into uh, using computer systems and such for your preparedness, all of a sudden you get compromised. A, that could be completely erased and all of your work that you've built up over the years just suddenly poof, gone. Right? Or it just gets compromised and you have no idea it's even happened. And then let's say uh, shit hits the fan. Well, somebody else already knows what all your plans are. So bad day. That's a bad day. Yeah, we actually have a question here as well. Uh, Is using the tap function for grid cards susceptible to theft as skimmers on the chip readers? So tap, yes, it can be copied. Just this little guy right here. I can copy your card with that. And what's that called again? That is a flipper zero. So depending on the technology in the card, of course, uh, but for uh, for some cards I can copy, others I can't. It depends on the security that's built into the card, right? But uh, yeah, any anything, uh, it's it's all made by humans. Everything is susceptible. It's just a matter of knowing how to do it and how to get around the security that is built into the devices. So doable, yes. It's good take a uh, it could take a level of knowledge that um, not everybody has, but it is uh, it is doable. But it all depends. The, the famous uh, computer answer: It depends. Ooh, it's a shame they named after the beloved dolphin like that. But I know, right? It's a great tool. It's so much fun for for ethically playing around with things, of course. What is the Flipper Zero actually like? What's it originally designed for? Uh, pen testing. Or penetration testing. And yes, giggle away. He, 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 penetration. Yeah, okay. But um, yeah. Yeah, see, there's yeah. the giggle. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, uh, well, that's actually very, very, very yeah. interesting. So uh, that's just for like scamming like uh, access cards or scheming, like, uh, sorry, copying access cards and everything else? They can copy access cards. Anything, uh, actually, the, the new and improved ham radio Ian would actually rather enjoy the Flipper Zero because uh, it does all kinds of radio frequency analysis. You know, all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. That's useful. Yeah, we'll talk later. Very useful. Yeah, we will. <laughs> uh, operational security. This is another reason why preppers should be concerned about um, phishing attacks. Right? So phishing attacks could undermine operational security by pr- uh, providing malicious actors with information about your plans, your supplies, your stockpiles, uh, community networks. You know, a, a compromise in uh, in your digital security. Uh, if you're planning things out and you're keeping track of that stuff on a computer system of some sort, you know, not everybody does. Some would go the old school pen and paper way still, but a lot of people will uh, will go towards computer system for getting that all planned out. Uh, 
if you get compromised, all of a sudden, all that information is now available to whoever's compromised you. And they know all your location for all your plans, all your stockpiles, uh, any kind of networking that you've done is now all available to them. And once that's out, now you got to rebuild from scratch again, assuming you know they've even gained access to it. Or they can just watch the show and I tell them where everything is. But Well, you yeah. know, may as well just call it Fishing Ian. That's yeah. right. I uh, <laughs> It's very interesting, yeah, especially when it comes to like whether it be uh, passwords. Like some people just have a, a, a word document with "here's my inventory," like you know, and it's not it's not password protected. It's not anything. And even if they have a keystroke uh, monitor, they can still yep. figure out your password and stuff. But still, I mean, it doesn't take much to give up all your your deets and exactly where everything is if you just have an inventory list somewhere, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's not something you even really think too much about if you're just making it on the computer because it's just commonplace these days to use, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if all of a sudden you're, you're compromised, that entire content is very valuable information. Uh, and now it's available to whoever just stole it. Yeah, actually, my, uh, my company actually had a bit of a test, internal test. They sent out an email to all the employees, and it looked hinky as can be, right? And you're, you're sitting there looking at this email, and it's just like, I'm not clicking on that link. And... Uh, they, nothing was said for about two weeks, and all of a sudden, two weeks later, they came out and said, okay, so we sent out this email to 53,000 people, mm-hmm. and yeah, congratulations, 83% of you clicked on the link. Yep. <laughs> and so they said, if this was a real phishing attack, we'd be screwed. So it was it was actually amazing at just how, you know, not gullible, but like I guess uh, trust trusting people are when it comes to stuff mm-hmm. that might be so, looks somewhat legit, yeah. uh, legit, and they'll just randomly click on a link because yeah. they told you. And I'm like, well, yeah. that's pretty terrible. Yeah, especially, uh, especially on your work email, right? Like for work stuff, maybe not like this random one on, you know, this on your uh, Gmail, your Yahoo, your AOL. You know, random ones coming through that, but like on your work email, that kind of looks like work. Like, it's surprising how many people just feel like, "Wow, my boss must have sent it. I got to click the link as fast as possible and reply." Right? Because, yeah, it's funny. <clears throat> just to throw out that work email uh, scenario, anybody who has a LinkedIn profile, for example, all it takes, and there's automated tools to do this. You can look up a business ABC Mechanics, for example. We'll just use that uh, like made up company. I could say APC Mechanics. I want to know everybody that is a member of that organization. I want their first name, their last name, their email address. And if it tells me who their coworkers are or their bosses, I want to grab that information. And then I can craft the phishing email to make it sound like I'm the boss emailing you asking for information about somebody else. Oh, and by the way, click this link. And there's automated tools available to, to do that with just Especially- a couple of keystrokes. Yeah, especially when with, with a lot of corporations, it becomes like first name dot last name at abcplumbing.com or whatever, right? Yep. So it's not hard to figure out what the email is either, right? No, and that's easy too. And a lot of people will publish it so you know what the format is very quickly. Yeah. And you know who all the coworkers are. You know who the boss is. You know who the, the CEO is. You know who the head of security is. You know all that information because they publish it. Uh, and now you've got a full build out of an entire organization. And then you can craft your email and send it off and make it look completely legit. But it's not. And you know, it's a game of numbers. Somebody's going to click it. Somebody will click the link. Guaranteed. There's always going to be somebody. And now they're in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we had a data breach when it wasn't even... uh, I think I told you guys about that about, what, four months ago? Something like that? And we had to redo a bunch of stuff in-house because, yeah, massive data, data breach. And it's just... What a pain. 
it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when yeah it's yeah. going to happen right you're not going to stop it it's if <laughs> if a uh, malicious uh, attacker wants into a system bad enough they will find a way it's just a matter of how you're going to counter that and make sure that your information is uh, is secure or you know at least a little bit more uh not less enticing to them uh, let's touch on uh, communication integrity. So obviously communication is vital for uh, in preparedness situations uh, during emergencies. So uh, phishing attacks can actually compromise uh, email accounts, other communication channels, and therefore the, the flow of communication is then disrupted. So if, uh, like we've mentioned, over long weekends and such, it seems to be a higher time for uh, for phishing attacks to be happening. Um, so don't think that um, they're not alive to the fact that a major event is also happening. So now's the time to kind of push that information out, take advantage of it. Um, we even saw that uh, during COVID, a lot of uh, phishing emails are sent out about COVID and, and you know, information about that. Click this link, get this information. All scams to steal your information, right? But you, you see it quite often at all kinds of major events. Uh, and the, the whole idea is to try to grab your information and disrupt the, uh, the flow of communication at the same time. So not talking governmental agencies, we're talking about like a, an actual hacker, uh, like a phishing yeah. scam artist. Uh, would it be possible for them to actually not just like block your phone, but assume your number and phone other people or show at least your, your caller ID and call somebody or anything else? Oh, um, that's a fun one. Yeah. So there's all kinds of different things they can do with that. Yeah, you can um, you can spoof caller ID. That's a thing. That is doable. Uh, you can also do SIM swapping. Which is uh, which is a thing where they will literally call up your wireless provider and say, "Hey, uh, I'm Ian. I want to change my uh, SIM card over to this phone," and they'll answer a couple of the security questions that uh, the provider asks, and then they'll just switch your phone over to their phone, and all you'll see on your phone is all of a sudden your signal gone, right? Your service is gone. It's been swapped over to a bad guy's uh, phone, and now they've got access to everything that syncs over with that, which can be a lot of things, including a lot of your two-factor authentication because a lot of people say, like, yeah. use text messaging as their second factor. It's, uh, now, there are ways to protect against that. Just uh, since we're talking about it now, you can call your provider and say, do not switch my phone over, period, without certain um, provisions or certain things in place, and I have to be able to answer certain things or do certain security steps in order for it to happen. It's still in place by humans. There's still ways to get around it, but it makes it harder. And if you make it harder, they're going to move somewhere else. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, SIM swapping gonna... is definitely pretty rampant. Yeah. yeah you, you have to call your provider, though, to make that happen. They, they won't do it automatically. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, nope. it's a bunch of extra work for them. So they're going to take the easiest is. thing and most yeah. whatever, right? Of course. So you don't yeah. really want to knock and them for it, but it makes it harder for them to just send you a new phone. It makes it harder for them to just, yeah. you know, pull your card and drop it into another phone. All of those things become more difficult if you put the locks on, uh, as and I call specifically it. Specifically, upgrading your account and your device gets more yes. difficult for them. That's right. It's harder for them to make more money. Yeah. yeah. Weird. It boils down to money. That's strange, isn't it? Hmm. That's hmm. a weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, resource protection as well. So we spend a lot of time uh, just gaining resources, acquiring supplies, tools, equipment. Um, so phishing attacks can target individuals' accounts, uh, leading to unauthorized access, and then potential theft of these resources. So again, keeping those lists and information about what you have and where it is, all of a sudden, 
someone's gained access to that. You might not even know that they've gained access to it. And all of a sudden you go to grab one of your, uh, your stores at one point, or you go to check on one of your stashes and, Oh, where, where'd it go? Somebody found it because they broke into your system, got your list of information, and they just went and took it. Because it might be in a spot you would never even think that anybody would know about. I know. I should remove the pin drop next to each bin and location of where they are, right? I would suggest you probably do that. And also (laughs) unclick the make uh, public check mark. That would be uh, a good thing. I, I didn't even know that was an option. That butts up against <laughs> the paranoia, right? When you think about it, because like uh, yeah. if somebody actually like you know compromised your phone and was tracking your your location at a given time, and yeah. here you are running around to all your caches checking to make sure they're still there. Yeah. <laughs> Got a nice little spider web of all your locations because <laughs> uh, they're monitoring yeah. your location. You're like, well, yeah. what is it? Like, do I just do I just not go there and pretend that everything's okay, or do I want to check to make sure they're still there? <laughs> yeah, it's like yep. yeah, it's Bring on the that's spiral. A, that's a whole video and a whole topic yep. unto itself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So we could be leaving tracks there, for, there, even if we're not using okay. radio. And tracks are True. pretty darned evident in snow, aren't they? <laughs> they sure are. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Problem. No. Nope. Uh, Especially with the Ford, because you had to leave the truck there. There's no hiding that you were there because usually the truck's left behind. Yeah. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> Luckily, tangent. That's uncalled. Uh, that, that's yeah. uncalled. My, my feelings are hurt now, right? <laughs> well, speaking of Ford, should we touch on the community trust? Sure. Let's so, do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so that's that's another thing that. Um, Fishing could have a huge impact on, right? Trust is crucial in the preparedness communities. So uh, a fishing attack can erode that trust by exploiting personal or community level vulnerabilities, right? Or even just information. So if you've got that information and now all of a sudden your mutual assistance group is trusting you with that information and it gets compromised, breached and shared out to whomever. uh, And there's a bunch of confidential information in there that only you and your mutual assistance group was supposed to know about and now the world knows about it, that's going to lead to uh, some trust issues, right? You can probably rebuild that. You can probably get that back depending on your, your group and, and the dynamics, yeah. but that's going to take some rebuilding and uh, figuring things out and figuring out were you actually breached or did you choose to release it or what actually happened? So it'll, it'll take a little bit of, a little bit of time to get over that one. Especially when paranoia is a thing amongst uh some some members of those type of groups. Paranoia in the preparedness world? Yeah, it could happen, yeah. Whoa, it's been known to occasionally happen. So, uh, just overall security awareness. So that's another reason why we'd want to be um, knowledgeable about phishing attacks in the preparedness community. It's just knowing that this is a thing and it's a possibility. Because um, a lot of people like to just turn up a blind eye to it and pretending like it's not happening and yeah nobody's going to ever target me because why would they bother i'm just yeah. average joe going about my day nobody cares about me right well they cast a big net and whoever they catch then they start digging and so it's not necessarily a personal uh, target on you specifically it's just a wide cast net that goes to everybody and all of a sudden now they've got access to your uh, your systems or your information they go oh this might this is actually pretty juicy 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this with you about the overall security awareness for all the preppers out there that that have a network. And if you have a network, you should, you should consider yourself very fortunate. But you want to keep that network, and you got to remember that the chain is only as strong as the weakest link. And I know that's corny, but that's the absolute <laughs> truth. Yeah. Right. If any yep. of you have bad opsec or have bad infosec, if you're out there spraying all of your info all over the web. If you're not locking down your stuff and you bring some of these people into your mags, into your mutual assistance groups, well, you could be putting everybody at risk. So you got to consider that it is more important than people realize. And last but not least, if one of your people gets taken out for a certain amount of time because they're undergoing this kind of attack and they got in, well, now that's one of your people that are offline. And so they're at risk of all of the other stuff because they're no longer in communication with you. So there's, there's larger risks than just um, for oneself or uh, for um, the individual family unit. It, it could affect an entire group when one of the group is now missing or unavailable. So just keep all of that in mind. To me, that's well, a big one. So. And if one of the group does get compromised, then clearly it's going to put a burden on you now because you're going to, by association, you could be vulnerable. So now you have to redo a lot of your security measures as well. Yep. I mean, I might go from one, two, three, four, five, maybe I'll go like capital A, one, two, three, four, five, exclamation mark now, just to amp it up a bit. <laughs> but, hmm. Sure. Oh, are we still that live? Would, that would be, yeah, that was, yeah. you're going to have to change it to capital B now, Ian. Okay, yeah. capital B, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, you'll be fine. It'll be all right. Yeah. All is well. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to come after you? Like, you know, you'll be all right. Yeah, it won't happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about it, Ian. You'll be all right. Just click the link. See where it takes you. All right, cool. Let's get back on that right now. <laughs> all right. So speaking of clicking links, maybe we should talk about just the types of phishing. Right? So we, we're all, we've kind of touched on why we care about it and why it's something we should be uh, concerned about in the emergency preparedness community. But um, what types of phishing is there? Or what can we realistically um, anticipate seeing? Um, so I'm pretty sure most of us are pretty familiar with, uh, with the email phishing by now. Um, most of our providers are pretty good at, at sorting out or, or pushing most of it off into the spam folders. Still, some of it gets through every once in a while. But you'll get fake alerts or notifications. Or they're going to mimic a, a legitimate uh, notifications as well from some kind of provider. So like your bank, your social media, uh, government agencies, like Darius mentioned, uh, the CRA tax scams. Uh, those are going to be coming up uh, in a little bit. Um, asking for receipts, clicking links. Clicking links is kind of the big thing you're going to see across the board. They, they need you to engage with something in order to start the attack for the most part. There are times where they don't need you to do anything, mm. uh, but that's where you're starting to get into your more targeted um, attacks, right? When they're pushing that big net out, they're just looking for whoever clicks the link. Okay, and so I, quick question. And this is, I'm only asking because it hasn't yeah. happened to me yet. But so you get the, the Netflix account overdue uh, text or email, whatever. You click on yep. the link. So what does clicking on the link actually do for the attacker? So, kinds, but I'll let Eric expect. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> First off, it confirms somebody else is on the other end. Okay, that's number one because they are casting that net, and chances are they're randomly generating email addresses, or they have a giant list of email addresses from a previous breach um, of a company or something like that, and they are just blasting emails out like mad. 
So clicking the link first off confirms that somebody's on the other end. Um, you'll notice if you have made the mistake of clicking the link, and let's be honest, all of us have clicked the link at least once and gone, ah, shouldn't have clicked that. And all of a sudden, the next month or two, or even week or two, you're constantly getting barraged now with all kinds of other emails or text messages because you've confirmed them. There's a warm body on the other end of that message. And they click, right? So that's the first thing. Next thing is it's going to provide some information to uh, to the attackers. So most likely it'll be a footprint of your, of your systems, whether you're using a, a mobile device or a computer, a tablet. So you'll get like the operating system version, um, some basic information about, uh, about your system that you're using. And this is standard. It happens even when you're going to legitimate sites. So it's no trickery or wizardry or anything like that. Even when you go to like Google, they get that fingerprint still of your computer system, but now a bad guy has it. And they're specifically looking for it, right? So now they can kind of craft um, their attack metric more if they want to, if they're really interested in you. And then chances are what they're really after is just your credentials. So you click that link, you get presented a screen that's going to look like Netflix. It's going to look completely legitimate Netflix for the most part. And you're going to punch in your username and you're going to punch in your password. That is what they want. Because as soon as you hit log in or connect or go or whatever the button says boom now they've got your most likely your email address that you would use to log in to netflix and the password that you've used fun part with that is most likely you use that password somewhere else too oh 100 percent, especially yes. for older people mm-hmm. myself and older tend just to read love the, yeah t- tend to everybody. read love the same passwords just yeah. for for ease more than anything else mm-hmm. and rarely change them i'm sure right Exactly. So now they'll reach out and they'll try to find all the other sites that you utilize with that password and they'll try to log into all of them. And let's be honest, all of us use the same password for at least one or two sites. It's just, it's human nature, right? It is what it is. Yeah. Even if you just use it for all all your streaming services, but you have three of them, like now they've got three passwords and then there might be a security question that can help them get into something else. Right. And all those recovery things and all that. So just <clears throat> other than let's just talk phishing, right? They're sending the massing out, not so much a targeted thing. If you accidentally hit, you know, open the link and you're like, ah, no, tried to hit the back button and your finger slipped and you opened up the link. In most cases, does that do anything other than confirm there's a body on the end? Like, do they start? Most likely they not. start? No, like, I, I'm not talking about like more like uh, if you're targeted, like someone wants your stuff, yeah. you know, that might be different. But just those those scams like that you just get all day, every day or whatever, like, you know, yeah. accidentally opening it just might you might get an influx of extra stuff. Most, you know, most likely the in the non-sophisticated attacks where you <laughs> click the link, you're going to confirm that there's a warm body on the other end. You're going to get an influx of more attacks over the coming days just because they know you're there. Chances sure. are nothing else is going to happen from that point. Can't guarantee it, but if yeah. you close that site out right away, clear your browser history, you know, restart your machine for good measure. If you're that, uh, if you're that type of person that likes to restart to feel better, go for it. Um, eat the cookies. Yeah, eat the cookies. Yes, eat the cookies. And uh, yeah, chances are you'll be okay, right? Um, if you've entered any kind of information, even if you've entered an email address and you've gone, ooh, this might not be a smart idea. Too late. Change all your passwords. <laughs> yeah. uh, because you 
that you can actually watch the forms being filled out and see what information is there, even without clicking the send button or the go button or the login button. Yeah. Reset everything. But if you've only clicked the link, you know, You're depending on your cover, your, your comfort level and your, your OPSEC level and kind of how freaked out you are, carry on with your life. Take a breath, clear your cache, yeah. eat your cookies, carry on. But for those, those who are, for those who are ultra paranoid, know that there are more than just a handful of exploits out there yep. that require zero interaction on your part. Just zero message. interaction on your part. So <laughs> if it's truly sensitive, if it's truly that important, just don't trust it to a, an electronic device in the first place, and you're yep. probably off to a great start. Or get some kind of encryption going, or multiple types of encryption. I would recommend multiples yeah. and assume that each one can be broken at some point and you're off to a better mm-hmm. start. But yeah, this is true. I believe, talking whole, to, I believe whole wars have been lost because people assume their encryption was good. This is true. Correct. 100%. <laughs> yep. They made, made movies enough. about that. They may have, <laughs> may have. Yeah. yeah. But talking about uh, targeted uh, or, or higher uh, level, uh, of attacks. Spear phishing is another type. So that's where you get into your more customized for specific individuals or organizations, right? Um, often they're using uh, personal information to increase the likelihood of success. So they're going to be doing some pretty good digging into you. They're going to be doing some research. You're going to get a very specifically crafted email or text message or phone call that seems very, very legitimate. Um, surprise, it's not. <laughs> right? Um, these are going to be difficult to identify. Um, you're going to have to really be vigilant about, uh, about the emails. Like if all of a sudden you get an email from a, a cousin that you haven't talked to in years and it's, you know, I need money right now. I'm in a really bad spot. It might be worth picking up the phone and calling that cousin to go, Hey, what's this email all about? Right, because um, they're tugging at the heartstrings at that point. Right, they've they've really figured out something about you to latch into. Uh, it's always worthwhile to double check an email, double check a text, confirm it in person on the phone using a phone number that you know is the actual phone number for that person. Right, nothing beats confirming it face to face versus uh, versus a call. But um, yeah, spear phishing is is definitely higher up there. It's very very targeted, very specific. And it works well. It does. Uh, it's uh, people that are doing this have honed their craft uh, for years and are very, very good at, uh, at what they do. Uh, we've got smishing. So uh, that's SMS phishing or text messages, text messaging phishing. So I'm pretty sure all of us have seen this at one point in time. Uh, these are the ones where you get the, uh, the text messages goes, Hey, uh, CIBC here, your bank account is uh, in overdraft. Click here now to fix it. And you go, <laughs> I'm not with CIBC. That's can't be right. Oh, I'm going to click the link just in case. <laughs> Don't click the link. <laughs> Terrible idea. Yeah. 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 I know. I'm still, I'm still waiting for the package that was never dropped off to confirm my address. That's another one too. That's a really popular <laughs> one that you see yeah. these days is. Especially hey, around DH- like holidays. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Hey, DHL has a, uh, a package scheduled to be delivered to your house uh, today. Uh, click here to verify that uh, you want us to deliver it. Well, of course I want that package, right? Click the link, but then rewind. Wait a minute. I haven't ordered anything too late. Click the link, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, we see and, a lot of those. Yeah, and and I've noticed an influx of those around the holidays. A lot of people ordering yes. online. You make an order on Amazon. You ordered fifteen things, and they show up in you know yep. seventeen packages somehow. So like you don't know where all of them are coming from. So you're just assuming. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So they're, they're taking full advantage of the confusion of the holiday season, yeah. hoping that you're going to click that link in order to be able yeah. to compromise you to get further information about you. They, they don't care if you click the link and, uh, you know, you're just looking for your package. They want the information that you're going to provide them yeah. once you click the link. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the most popular one right now too, is a text message one. Cause everybody's yeah. glued to their phones all the time. Right. So it's, well, it's not even that. I, I I won't even say it's even for that. Like, have you ever tried to do anything? Like, you used to call, set up your hydro accounts. You had questions about this, questions about that. Almost everything is done online now. Like, the yep. human interaction for anything nowadays is pretty much obsolete. Or there's like an extra fee, and it's like, well, you talk to me, and I helped you do this. Like, we're gonna charge you forty dollars extra, or you can do it yourself. You know, via the computer with the live chat, with the, the robots or whatever. So it, it's almost absolute about actually talking to someone, uh, even to set up accounts, confirm things. It's all done online. That SMS just seems like a, a better alternative almost because it, it's such a common thing compared to conversations with people. That's well, true. And uh, going back real quick to the email uh, part, uh, Dave in the live chat's got a gr- really good point. Uh, work emails are sometimes target of corporate uh, espionage or damage. They might not be interested in you at all. They could care less about compromising you or your information. They are looking to get into your corporation's network. And by you clicking that link and filling in some information, you've now given them a foothold. And then away they go. Right. So that's actually a really good point, Dave. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Yeah, you're just you're just in, in, in that giant you're net. Just they threw the, you're, just the step that gets them in. They're just the foothold yeah. and away they go. Uh, vishing. So this is another one. So this is a phone or voice uh, phishing. So um, how many people have gotten that phone call before where um, they're pretending to be a, a relative that uh, is overseas or, you know, um, hey, we, uh, we're looking to clean your ducks, right? All that big just phishing scheme. Right, so they're they're pulling on the heartstrings with the family member that's overseas in distress that needs money right now. Um, they're just trying to sell you a product of uh, air duct cleaning because hey, I need that, you know, all that kind of stuff, yeah. and then it just snowballs from there. Hey, I need fifty bucks for a bus ride to get me out of this bad spot. Oh, actually, I need a hundred and fifty bucks. Oh, you know what? Now I need four hundred dollars. I need a place to stay. Right, they just keep milking you. And they're getting really, really good at it. Right? Yeah. And this te- tends to target the more elderly population. Um, and they'll call pretending to be a grandchild of some sort. They're really pull at the heartstrings and, uh, and try to get money out of people. But it's, yeah. uh, it still happens. I haven't heard of it overly often now. It's mostly the, the text message stuff. But you do still see this yeah. every once in a while. So question, since we're talking about the, the one voice one, whenever there's you know, you get those random calls and it's like, oh, we're putting an arrest warrant out, you know, because you've got <laughs> CRA or whatever. It's the government of Canada. That's actually a good um, call. Yeah, right. Like, because that's coming up soon, right? Tax season. Yeah, it is, so yep. It's going to be an influx. It is the season. Um, yeah. So I, I have heard that depending how you answer certain questions, they can record it and 
redo stuff to do voice authentication on something else, for example, right? Yep. So, or they can somehow shit the recording that, oh no, look, you gave us consent because you answered yes to this. Right. So is that actually true to start with? Uh, they can copy your voice. Yep. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Um, yeah, that used to be a way of authenticating years ago now with, uh, with certain providers, cell phone providers, internet providers, they used to have you record a sentence or a word and you would use that as your authentication. That has very quickly disappeared because of this. Yeah. Okay. It's so, just too easy. Yeah. If you end up picking up a phone call and it does go that route, you should probably maybe, you know, answer very vaguely, maybe not say yes, no, certain things would be better, yeah. obviously. Because I mean, like, trust me, when I see those phone numbers show up and I'm like driving, I'm like, well, I'm in the truck for another hour. Got nothing like, better to do. Yeah, nothing better to do, right? Like, I was just like, okay, well, you know, and, and kind of poke the bear a little bit, uh, you know, get them to hang up I, after a little bit. Um, I, I do enjoy nothing more than uh, stringing them along. It yeah. is a lot of fun. Uh, it depends on your level of paranoia. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll string them along because I think it's fun. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, you know, but like, it is a I, smart sure. idea to, yeah, it's a smart idea to avoid like, yes, no, like little words like that. Um, because yeah. yeah, they could totally turn that around and use that to call your phone provider to say that you are you and that, um, you know, you can send certain things. It, could it be done? Yes. Um, it, yeah. it all boils down to your level of paranoia and what you think legitimately an attacker is going to want to do. Um, remember, their main thing is they want to get a foothold, most likely get to get to your bank account, right? Like that's what they want for majority of people. They want money out of you, right? If yeah. you're involved in other things or your your um, your level of knowledge or, or level of um, positioning in, in a certain world is higher or lower, they may be looking for other things, right? Majority of the time they're looking for money. Yeah. They trip across some other stuff like your your preps list or your your stockpile list or anything like that while they're at it. Well, bonus for them. But legitimately yeah. they're after money. Okay. Uh, social media phishing. Again, pretty sure actually we talked about this in the pre-show, Terry, where uh, you've got a bunch of people that are, are friending you and they wanna they wanna be uh, buddies with you and chat you up. Most likely uh, fake profiles, unless you've met this person before, they tend to uh, advertise themselves usually as good-looking females, and they want to be your in friend. In your area. In yeah, your in area. area. Co conveniently in your area, and they want to chat right now. Yep. They're, they're only a mile away. You. Yep, yeah. and they're looking, they're looking directly at you. They want to talk to you. Nobody else. Well, I know that's BS because right away they'd have to be raging alcoholics or have cataracts, so... <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, it would be a scam. And now they know what you're looking for, Ian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, like speaking of the cold snap that we've had, you know, like, yes, it is good to, that animals are outside, but it might not be good to invite the cougar in. This is true. Yeah. If, 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 Cougars if, like the cold. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't, be, don't be mean to them after all, though. No. No. And now we can get into some really nerdy stuff. So I know Frugal's oh, going to peek up at this, but uh, farming. So we're getting into DNS spoofing. Look at the smile on Frugal. Look at that. Yep. Okay, slow it down. <laughs> slow it down there, so, there yeah. future boy. You want to so, talk about what's the DNS? So all that we're doing here is redirecting website traffic. So if, say, your bank gets compromised 
and they redirect your bank's website to bad guys servers and it looks the same it looks like your bank everything looks normal you log in but in reality it's bad guys computer instead of the bank's systems now they've got all your information again and then they can do their thing chances are if they're at that level they've already got access to your stuff anyways but uh, it's just a general example so it's just redirecting a legitimate website elsewhere making it still look legitimate and then stealing your information now here's here's the scary part they don't have to own your bank's website to do that if Mm. i've got access to your system at an administrative level i can modify your hosts file Mm -hmm. and i can redirect anything that you go to as a url to any particular ip address of my choosing that's a good point I, i don't even know what the fuck that means so basically it means, it means your info stolen yes so oh. if i have access so if i somehow you got you to click on a link and the malware that i had hosted on that website got installed on your system or your device that's enough for me to possibly elevate my privilege access to be able to then modify an entry on your device or on your uh, computer, when you make a call to a particular website address, I then have control over where that browser goes when you go to that address. That's what it gives me the ability to do to that degree. So yeah, it's it's kind of freaky what can be done with DNS redirection. And if I have local access to a system, we can easily do that. There's nothing to it. It's a line in a file. Yeah, really easy. That easy. Exactly. One line in a file. We should ban ones and zeros, apparently. (laughs) Just add in a couple twos. It'll be fine. They weren't designed to be be secure from ground up. Nope. That's the problem. And if if all of you are looking for that, I just want to remind you, the most secure system is really hard to use. It's going to take you multiple steps to get in. It's going to take multiple steps to do everything. It's going to be slow because it's going to be auditing every action so that you have trust in what's going on on it. So everything is recorded and you're going to hate using it. And they'll still get so hacked. So you won't. And you'll they'll still get hacked. Yep. Yeah, trust and me. Then, I, I, have, it, yeah. I have to enter one that has to take what, five steps to enter it and it still gets hacked. So it doesn't yeah. matter. But yeah, actually, so, okay, serious question now. So DARPA invented the internet back in the day. It was the intranet for, for mm-hmm. EOD stuff back in the day. Yes. How did they screw it up so bad that it was, like, vulnerable from day one, or is that just the way they like it? Government. I have to yes. question, and again, <laughs> you, y'all can throw on your propeller hats here, yep. but I question why a defense research organization would make a private network up until then private network available to the public if it did not already have some sort of strategic goal in mind by doing so bingo there you go so okay (laughs) on the same page there so i'm like what is that strategic goal so in other words the product was free so we became the product yep we are most certainly the product yeah look at that um but the question is is who's paying to access it and use it Mm mm-hmm yeah. And it is the question I pose because I don't have the answer. And the, the more I dig into that area, well, 
it's when we have to pull out the propeller hats. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. a weird feeling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of being the product, search engine phishing. Oh yeah, that's, that's uh, a yeah. nice new one. Well, so, not, not that new. It's been around not a while. New, but it's it's a new tactic. It's it's being utilized a lot more. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, so you know how when you search on Google or Bing or whatever search engine you use for whatever it is you're looking for, and those first three or four search results at the top always filter up to the top, and usually they got the little word sponsored hidden in somewhere. Those are results that are still built around keywords, but somebody has paid a little bit of money to have their results put to the very top. So what uh, what the bad actor, or malicious actor will do is they will pay that little bit of money to get their link to the very top of whatever search result they're interested in. So that you'll click that link. So if you are looking for your banking site and you punch in whatever bank into Google, that search result will come to the very top. Chances are you're going to click the first link you see and it's going to look legitimate. It's going to say, you know, welcome to whatever bank. You click that link, it goes to the website of the uh, the threat actor. It still looks like your bank's website. <laughs> Surprise, it's not. You put in all your information like you normally would. Away you go. They can even set it up so that it pipes through to your legitimate bank and it looks like you logged into your legitimate bank. And you might even get redirected to your legitimate bank. So all your banking information is right there and you carry on as normal. But now they've scraped all your login information. And you log in tomorrow, and your accounts are all zero. But it's uh, it's a, it's getting up in popularity now. Yeah, Google's pretty good at flushing them out, but mm-hmm. even if they're there for a minute or two, that's all they need. Yeah, think about the Google searches that happen for a minute, you know, for mm-hmm. almost anything. Yeah, it's how easily in a lot of these it cases. Is. It's it's like going fishing with a net. Yep. You're gonna catch. It's just a matter of numbers and flow and traffic uh, and exactly. breadth. You know, how wide will your net cast when you cast that net? How many names, how many names, uh, how many accounts, how many people fall for it? And over time, it adds up. Um, exactly. A lot of people out there in the world who are connected and weren't tech savvy. And this is more than tech savvy. It's a lot of this goes beyond that. It's it's always having your guard up in everything you do, everything you touch and see. You have to have that default guard up because, and we haven't gone over all of the other forms of phishing that are predominant out there. There's oh. some interesting ones that are out now. Yeah, we've um, uh, we've gone over the basics. What well, most people will see. Ones. Yeah, those um, are the big the, ones. And that that trust, was a really good. Well, sorry, go ahead, bud. I was going to say that was a really good segue into uh, how we can avoid phishing attacks. Oh, yeah. Fantastic segue. Well, thanks, bud. <laughs> um, I'm all about prevention, if you can. It's a lot better than having to recover from such an incident. So having your guard up, have your hackles up. Um, somebody's talking to you and you don't know them, you should probably instantly assume that they want your money. I don't know. Just my experience from running around a city the last few months. Um, <laughs> somebody's talking to you. You don't already know them. They're not your friend. You're not there to talk to them. They probably want your money. Mm-hmm. Tell me I'm wrong, right? Yeah, I don't think you're 100%, 100% right. Be skeptical of everything. 
You have to. Best way to be. You have to be. If you're out in the countryside and you're from the city, well, you're going to have some adjustment to do. That's for sure. Because it's not quite like this out in the country. And um, this is where sometimes the fishing works really well is with folks who are used to being in a community where there's trust. Yep. And, and they're not used to having their guard up and their hackles up. So city folks are a little bit more hardened to this sort of thing. But if you're out in the country, if you're in a, in an isolated community where, Oh my God, there's another human being. I want to talk to them. Okay. You're, you're going to have to, and you're in the city or out there on the web. You've got to rein that in some. You're, 100%. you're just a victim waiting to be had. You're like flashing a big, big light in the dark saying, come and see me. Here I am. 100%. Your social media presence is a big part of that. Scam Scams will either start by finding a target or just spray and pray. Yep. That spray and pray eventually finds you the target. So, you know, which one is more effective? Um, depends what kind of scammer you are, I guess. Do you like to target individuals or do you like to cast a big net and have a bunch of fish to look at? Literally, they're all tactics that apply. So you have to be cognizant of that. There are people who start knowing nothing. You're just another drop in the bucket. Every interaction you have with them, they try to gather more info. And then there's those who know exactly what you are. They spent a lot of time tracking you and figuring you out, and now they're coming after you. Um, both require vigilance, right? So, hundred percent. Speaking of uh, spray and pray, check website the URLs, especially in those emails. Mm-hmm. Just hover your mouse over for a second, right? That will show you the actual URL that they're going to, because you could very well put in an email a legitimate website, whatever dot com, make it look like that's the link, but actually have it linked to a different site. So, if you mouse over there, just hover, don't click it should throw one of those little tool tips up and show you what the actual URL is and just check for spelling mistakes, check for little things. Uh, Look for that uh, HTTPS, so that little lock symbol in your browser. Make sure that that is there. A good practical tip. A really good one that I've been doing for many years, but I don't see enough people do. Turn off image preloading in your email. Mm. Mm-hmm. You must do this. You really must do this. One, it's going to make your email perform a heck of a lot better. But two, certain uh, typos in text, certain typos in URLs will show up a lot better if you don't have all the graphics to look at. And the other thing is the graphics themselves can be a source of vulnerabilities for your email yep. software. There Those are graphics no- are getting pulled from somewhere. Exactly. And there are known, lots of known vulnerabilities in your email software. So um, an easy way is to just turn off the automatic images in your email and you'll find that that helps a lot. Do the same thing in your text messages. Your SMS text app has the ability to preload a URL and preview the page of what that URL displays. You know, if you uh, paste um, a URL into a friend and you send it to them, often you will see it show up with a preloaded page preview of the thumbnail of the web page you're sending them. That mechanism can be exploited. Turn it off. Just turn it off. And, and you'll find that you're less vulnerable. Your devices are less vulnerable. 
those are kind of my immediate ones, but yeah. these are good ones so far that Eric's been mentioning. Two-factor authentication, and I'm not talking about that text message that goes to your cell phone. I'm talking about your authenticator apps. Um, these little guys, the little YubiKey, fantastic little devices. And now, in order to get into any of my accounts, before I can get in, it says, hey, plug your YubiKey in, validate it. So I got to have that with me for any of my accounts. So if anybody compromises my accounts and they try to log in, they go, oh, okay, I'm Eric. Boop, here's the password. It comes up and goes, okay, now give me the YubiKey. Hmm, now what? Right? So if you don't have that physical device that I have on my person, you're not getting in. Now, yes, there are ways to compromise that and, and get around that as well. There's ways to get around everything, right? But this yep. makes it harder. <clears throat> Uh, and just educating yourself. So even just listening to this podcast and learning about what can actually happen, right? Because a lot of people will just turn a blind eye to it and pretend like it's not happening, right? So educating yourself, um, even beyond this podcast, listening to what else is happening down the road. Because tomorrow there will be a new technique. There will, there will be a new way that they're going to do this. Um, so just keeping updated as to what is happening out there with uh, different phishing attacks. Uh, keeping software updated is another huge one. I know everybody hates to do it. Why do I have to restart my computer and do updates? I don't it want to. I need to write this paper, do this email. But keeping your stuff updated is, is incredibly important as well. Because if there's a vulnerability somewhere, you bet that uh, the threat actor is going to utilize it, uh, especially if they're doing uh, some spear phishing or they really want to target you. They're going to know what you're using and they're going to look for a vulnerability for sure. Um, some reputable security software, you know, going out there and finding a, a good antivirus um, can't hurt. So, so having something, uh, something running on your machines or just run Linux. Yeah. Just learn just, an operating system. <laughs> that's a lot harder to break into. Yep. Learn Linux, use a variety that's different from what everybody else uses. Yep. Um, so that you're practicing a little bit of security through obscurity um, and away you go. It's a serious way to get around a lot of these problems. Um, and if you're up to trying something new that's a lot more secure, definitely do it. But as always, assume that everything can be broken into. Open source, after all, gives away all of the secrets for anybody with a creative mind to go look at it. So uh, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, but at least you know what you're getting. You know what you're paying exactly. for with free software. It was free. Yep. And it's open source. So everybody can look at it. If there's any back doors, then they're visible. Um, but like I said, that's the other warning. Other people can get into it too and see what's available to do. And But the cool thing about that is when vulnerabilities do show up, they're patched really quickly. Unless really you're quickly. Microsoft and you just pretend like it didn't happen. Sadly, yes. Well, they, they, they probably put the bad code in there anyway. So, yeah. Well, their approach is that it didn't happen. It didn't happen, and then four weeks later, oh yeah, it's Patch Tuesday. Guess what? Something did happen. So we thought we might do something about it. Or they'll try and sell you the fix for it. There's that too. No. Yeah. Uh, Phil in the uh, the live chat's got a good point. Uh, use a VPN. Set up biometric two-factor authentication uh, for your bank on your phone. The harder you can make it for the threat actor to get access to your stuff, the higher likelihood they're going to move on to the next target. That's all it is. Yeah. Make it harder. 
So it's like having that club on the steering wheel. It's not going to stop a thief from getting into your car. It won't. A dedicated thief will get your car. However, they're probably going to go for the one that's easier. Exactly. Human nature. Yep. Predators want an easy kill. They want an easy target. 100%. What else we got here? Verify requests for personal information. Again, so all of a sudden, out of the blue, you get that message going, hey, we got to verify your social security number. Why? Right? Why all of a sudden does my bank need to verify that? Make some phone calls. Don't just click the link and be like, oh, okay, sure. And they should know it since you need it to open the account. Exactly. So why all of a sudden do you need to verify that? Make some phone calls. Right? There, there is no rush for you to verify information or send information. If somebody else is asking for it, as soon as there's any inkling of this needs to be done right now, make some phone calls because they're, again, pulling at the heartstrings and pulling on the emotional side of, of just being a human. Right? They want you to not think and just rush into sending the information. They're, they want you to bypass logic and get you into fear mode and I'm not going to get into political here, but politicians use fear mode all the time to try and manipulate you. Scammers are no different. And the easiest way to recognize fear mode is if all of a sudden somebody's talking about something and you're feeling this little angst, just do a quick check on yourself and go, why am I feeling that? Oh, is it the language they're using? Bingo. Now you know what to do, right? They're trying to control you. That's it. Exactly. Uh, Next on the list here is be cautious on social media. Of course, there's scammers everywhere. Um, Those of you in the live chat, if you don't mind just putting your social security numbers, email addresses, uh, home addresses in the live chat, that'd be great. We can verify who you are that way. Um, Yeah, and and for the people that download, do do send it at feedback at... uh, (laughs) Let's capitalize on everything here. Yeah. (laughs) I'm also going to throw a couple links in the uh, live chat here. If you could just go ahead and click those, that would be fantastic. Yeah, it's it's, it's all to good information. Oh. <laughs> uh, Joel does ask any specific antivirus uh, software recommendations. Oh, oh we're going to start a war here. Oh, That's okay. your, yeah. Everybody's going to hate me if you ask me that question. Kaspersky, so I'll everybody, right Kaspersky. I, I, I used to say Kaspersky, but now... <laughs> Now you can't, so I'll just nope. not say it. But um, I'll say this. I don't really trust any of them because back in the day, in the 90s, they were all caught. All of them were caught sending money to hackers for you know, custom malware to be written. Um, they are all easy to bypass, especially if you're using a certain operating system that starts with the letter M on the brand. Um, MSN? <laughs> they're tiny viruses are easy it's not to bypass. Taffy, is it? Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's Microsoft in general, it's easy to bypass yeah. antivirus on yeah. them. It is. Yeah. It's um, and remember all of those programs as well are constantly scanning all of your files. That's right. That's the right. biggest so vulnerability. That's... Is that there's a behavior baked into the operating system that allows me to monitor everything that's happening at all times. Well, I would think that's the first thing I'm going to try to exploit. No, 
Uh, yeah. So, so it's uh, it, yes, it's, and there are all kinds of these things. So there's something called uh, I don't even want to get into specifics. Uh, <laughs> we'll get nerding out. But the idea yeah. here is that your operating system is a source of a lot of vulnerabilities, and I've been saying that for many years. Um, to save your money, basically. Save your yeah. money. The next time they want you to upgrade that Windows version to whatever, consider booting up with a USB stick and trying out another operating system. It's free. It won't cost you anything. You don't have to install it. You can just try it and run it. So um, that to answer the question, Joel, switch to Linux. Yeah. There we I, go. I said I'm afraid I didn't answer that <laughs> in a satisfactory manner, Joel, but yes. Yeah. If you can switch to another OS, try a different yeah. version of Linux. Um, if, if you ask me for a recommendation there, I have a few, um, uh, the most user friendly one for windows transitioners would be Linux mint in my opinion, because the mint environment looks fairly windows ish mm -hmm. and it behaves fairly windows ish. Um, though I've had great success with Ubuntu. I've done great with Fedora. Fedora is a great operating system, very stable. Um, all derivatives of uh, Suzy were super stable. Yep. Um, Open Suzy I've used, great, great operating system. They're all really good. But well, I, I, I will throw a quick ham radio caveat in. Majority of your ham radio software is not going to run in Linux. Yes. Now there's there's ways to work around software issues, and this is something I have a lot. A little, a little wine will help wine helps if it's a hardware thing um you can redirect hardware into a virtual machine using something like vmware player or uh virtual box those are both great virtual platforms and when you use virtual software well then you can do everything you can have your cake and eat it too if you have a fairly modern machine you can run a virtual uh, machine with almost no performance impact um and it works really well. I've done a lot of cool stuff with VMs. I got to say that. So there's there's ways to adapt to a new uh, daily driver operating system, and uh, I've been doing it for many years. I did the switch very happily in 2015, 2016, and in those years is when I completed the switch and I did everything. Uh, now I do almost everything native in Linux. Now and then I switch into a VM mostly for compatibility with my old printer because I'm so, frugal. I don't like buying new <laughs> printers every year. Uh, for those who are wondering what the heck a VM is, it's a virtual machine. Yes, a virtual machine. And if you don't know what that is, YouTube it. There's somebody out there doing VMs. Yeah. And if you don't know, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Happy to or nerd out anytime. Or, yes. or just click the link that we've posted. Or just click the link, yes. Yeah. I don't want to <laughs> hijack the whole topic, but yes, yeah. you can do the switch over. It's very easy yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, ask your friendly uh, local nerd that runs Linux, and they'll probably be super happy to help you. Or just hit us up on Discord. Or talk to us, yeah. Link, link is in the live chat, if you're still willing to click on links at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the last thing I've got here is just regularly monitoring your accounts. You could be compromised and not even know that it's happened, right? So keeping an eye on those accounts could give you an early warning sign that, hmm, something's not quite right here. Oh, so just, just keeping an eye. It's worth it, right? So even little things like in your account, it might say the last login uh, and you see that it goes, last login was yesterday. Well, I, I didn't log in yesterday. 
Hmm. That's a clue, right? Little bits of money are suddenly disappearing out of your bank account. Hmm. And it might not even be large amounts. You know, we could be talking a couple of cents, a couple of dollars. They're testing things, right? The C. So just watching stuff like that. Set up alerts on your, yep. on your accounts. You know, a lot of alerts allow you to uh, monitor different conditions and different things. It's worth setting them up. It's an alert that told me that somebody was trying to apply for um, a pandemic CERB benefit when I was employed at the time. Hmm. Yeah. So I was able to wake up to that alert. It literally woke me up and I was able to immediately stop everything in check and uh, take the controlling actions, but it was an alert. So yeah, they're worth it. Uh, so the, to wrap it up, uh, any final comments from any other panelists? Oh, yeah, we, head shaking. No, we so, went pretty in depth, I think. Eh? I think we did in just kind of wrap it all up nicely. There's various vectors that uh, phishing can come at you. Most likely you're all familiar with email, text message, possibly the phone calls from the CRA that are coming to arrest you if you don't pay them in, t- in iTunes gift cards right now. Just be smart about it. Double check it if you're not sure. Trust your gut on them because you're, you're going to know something's not quite right. And just be aware that this is something that can happen and it can totally impact your OPSEC, your preps, your, uh, your mutual assistance group. All that kind of stuff can be completely impacted by this and just your day-to-day life as well, right? It could all be impacted with just one simple compromise. So being smart about it, keeping your eyes open and just paying attention and just double checking is just worth its weight in gold. All right. With that, what do we got for the podcast challenge? Well, learn to recognize the uh, methods of phishing and take some steps to protect your personal information online. If you have any questions, you can email me at uh, furrytripod69 at hotmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> or not. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> That's great. 226 <laughs> episodes and Ian finally comes out. Come on, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely. <laughs> All right. Upcoming events. So we've got the, the annual Peppers meet coming up July 11th to 14th. Early bird tickets are on sale, so grab them while you can. Awesome. What do we got for deal of the week? Uh, at Cabela's this week, we have the Dakota Lithium 12 volt 10 amp hour battery on sale, uh, 30% off. It's good for solar systems, ham radio, anything you want, maybe even a UPS system for your computer. Who knows? Uh, it's on sale till the 31st. You got two weeks to play with it, so it's a, it's a good deal. Nice. Very nice. A couple of, couple of quick shout outs. Uh, so new Patreon, uh, Jeffrey and, uh, Terry as well. So appreciate you guys, uh, helping us keep the lights on in the back of generator fueled. We don't have Jeff with us this evening. So, uh, there's no, uh, no weather blur because, uh, he's out to uh, doing something else that he feels is more important than being here. I don't know what that could possibly be. <laughs> So with that, I'll break episode number 226 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. You can find the audio version of the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, Please help us out, submit a review. It does help other people find us. 
and does the whole algorithm thing too. And we record these shows live on YouTube, Facebook if you must. And if you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel Canadian Prepper Podcast and click the notifications tab. That gives you alerts when we're going live and you can contact me on the annual Preppers Meet Facebook page or terryllblackmore at hotmail.com. Uh, you can reach me off the wall customizing at Gmail, uh, potentially on the socialist medias, but after tonight, I don't even know if I want to do the podcast anymore. Um, <laughs> but you can find me here or uh, Monday nights on uh, the other CPP on the Patriot on uh, used tubes at 9 o'clock. And you can find me, the Frugal Gunny, on YouTube, on Rumble, Facebook, Instagram, and even on the CPP Discord. Must be nice not being banned from that thing. Anyway, uh, you can reach Ian directly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com. Uh, not the tripod one this time, anyway. Um, also How are you not banned from Gmail? <laughs> actually, that's a very good question. I, I, I'm shocked, actually. But anyway, uh, you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast with Pierre uh, live on YouTube Monday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern as well as iTunes. I clicked on the link in Gab, uh, so I took over two groups on Gab.com, uh, Ham Radio Canada and Homesteading and Preparedness Canada. So you can find us discussing why government waste and the general degradation of society has me posting on a spicy version of Facebook. So you are a fisher. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. Nice. <laughs> uh, please check out uh, Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat. You can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So thanks for joining us. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. As we wrap up another insightful episode of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, we want to extend our gratitude to our listeners for joining us on this journey of preparedness. Remember, the key to survival is knowledge and readiness. If you want to support the show and engage with our community further, consider signing up for our Patreon and joining our thriving community on Discord. Links are in the description. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave us a review. This is the Canadian Prepper Podcast, signing off. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.